Welcome to Capes and Critiques, where we give our two cents on comic characters and pop culture. This week's issue, we'll be counting down our top five canon comic couples in honor of Valentine's Day. Woo-woo! Woo-woo! <laughs> so, February, the month of love or single awareness or whatever you <laughs> prefer to call it, depending on your situation. It's a greeting and- card holiday month. <laughs> or or also Black History Month. Hey. Oh, that's true. Woo, shortest month of the year. What what? Oh my god. <laughs> okay. Oh my god, my entire list is white. Let me look. I hate myself. I feel like I too. <laughs> I too. Eh, you know what? You don't know we don't know the ethnicity of one of them, so Um do <laughs> but, aliens count? Huh? Aliens don't count. Aliens don't. I also have aliens. It's fine. We'll do better the rest of this month. Yeah, hopefully. Like we said, we have things planned for the rest of this month. Also, this intro is a mess. Yay! Uh, <laughs> yay, we're out to a great start. As I mentioned before, top five canon comic couples is the um, theme for this uh, episode. Yeah, issue. so like our top five comic like across comics that yeah, we yeah. read currently marvel dc indie anything on the side like just comic couples mm-hmm. so like it you've probably heard most of my names oh uh, you probably also <laughs> heard most of my names but i get to consolidate them especially for everyone who doesn't listen to all our podcasts because we drone on and on and on we do as you can tell by this intro okay we got this that was three minutes of rambling i think we can put together something solid <laughs> now right <laughs> so to start us off Melissa! Woo! Woo! Okay. What is, is your number five? Well, I mean, does it does this have, like, an order for you? Like, is Yeah, I actually okay. do okay. have an order just in terms of, like, what I want to talk about. Um, Part of the things that made the list that I wanted not only was, like, relationship significance to me, but kind of, like, like what those characters together mean to me. And for the most part, these are all characters that have had recent continuity relationships i hope right (laughs) right right so my number five is gambit and rogue little clap i almost actually didn't even put them on my list i'm kind of surprised but also not surprised (laughs) (laughs) yeah so we're talking about gambit and rogue from marvel they are mutants and they're sometimes in love um, <laughs> they're usually in love yeah they're sometimes in love yeah. right now they currently have a series mr and mrs which kicked off after some joyous events in x in an x-men comic where they're married yay um but overall like gambit and rogue have always been a really big comic relationship for me that i've been in love with since like i almost want to say infancy but as much as i can remember like watching television <laughs> It's like a child, basically. That's fair. But yeah, so Gambit and Rogue, I feel like they're not necessarily a relationship to to model, to strive for in the real world, but I think it's definitely something that makes for an interesting read, especially over the decades. So, um, so Remy and Anne-Marie have always had kind of an instant like attraction to each other, but it's kind of the back and forth on their own personalities battling like their own personal demons as well as the fact that, you know, Rogue sucks the life at you and that makes it very difficult for a relationship. <laughs> but I've always appreciated their dynamic. I think they're so aesthetically pleasing together just because they're such pretty characters and when they're drawn beautifully, like it's just, it's an aesthetic and I love my mutants. So that's why they're like a solid five for me, because when I think comic couples, my first thing is Gambit and Rogue, but they're not necessarily like my favorite couple that I'm like, that's what I want. Like, that's yeah, what I think yeah. love should look like. Yeah, definitely not Gambit and Rogue, but God, they're pretty. God, they're pretty. That's a mood. Well, similarly to that, actually, <laughs> a couple that like may not be what you want to strive towards usually um my number five is oliver queen and dinah <laughs> laurel lance now current iterations of them have been a lot better as far as like healthy relationships and like building up an actual relationship usually especially at the start of the relationship it is very argumentative like they're always fighting always fighting and then like After they fight, bam, they're in bed together. Like, that's just their dynamic for a really long time. And, again, that really isn't 
probably what you want in a relationship, but their dynamic overall has always been really um, enjoyable for me to read. And even now with her new origin, I think they're making it work pretty well in the comic, even though I don't like her new origin, but that's another story for another day. So since I haven't mentioned this, Diana Laurel Lance is Black Canary and (laughs) (laughs) Oliver Queen is Green Arrow, if you didn't already know that. And their comic relationship has lasted forever and ever. Um, Since the beginning of the Justice League, basically, their first meeting kind of like Rogan Gambit, like that instant connection. You knew something was going to happen between them. And their dynamic is just really great. Like, Ollie is this playboy and, like, super womanizer, and all he does is want... Yeah. <laughs> all I'm just he here does... gesticulating at my phone as if, like, listeners can be... I'm like, yeah, that's also Gambit. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. That's why I was, like, similar, similar to Rogan Gambit in a lot of ways. But he just is, like, in love with Dinah, or as much as infatuated with her at first... But obviously, Dinah's like, no, I don't care about this little man. Like, I'm so much stronger than him. And I can just, like, he's kind of insignificant to her at first in a lot of ways. But then, like, slowly, they start to realize in a better, healthier way later on, like, what they mean to each other and what they can mean to each other and how them together can make both better. So, again, recent history, them, way better past them not so great (laughs) at least sometimes but again a couple that I really enjoy reading wherever they are and I might not really like Ollie a lot but I like Ollie when he's with Dinah I think at the end of the day what we're looking at for both our number fives is passion and as well as history yeah so it's like they're two passionate couples that can be tumultuous at times but I think that's what makes fun for like a comic book read yeah not necessarily like I'm not trying to be like rogue's friend like constantly (laughs) having to hear about Gambit like I think that would be a lot yeah but as a reader I think it it makes for interesting storytelling which is also like the healthy divide of like what's a good story like what you want to read versus like what should be depicted in the real world yeah so I think like that's that's a healthy combination for our lists hopefully yeah (laughs) okay so my number four are the inhuman glory couple medusa and black bolt i love the inhumans i think they're amazing i think medusa is gorgeous let's not talk about the inhuman tv show at all please (laughs) just (laughs) not bring it up let's not look at it let's not talk about it that's not black bolt but that's fine um, but for anyone who doesn't know, Black Bolt and Medusa, they're part of the royal family, the royal family for the Inhumans, and Black Bolt, Bolt is basically their king. Well, he is their king. I don't know why I said basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is. He is kind of yeah, the king, a little is, bit. Yeah, and so Black Bolt's power predominantly resides in his vocal cords, in the ability to have kind of like world shattering and altering vocal cords, I guess kind of like Canary, just like to the to the extreme because canary can talk and control her powers and when she screeches she screeches that's her canary cry but black bull can't even whisper no yeah so it obviously depends on who's writing and like yeah how intense they want to make him but it's generally like he can't even speak he needs to meditate for hours so that he doesn't murmur in his sleep and like level mountains and destroy his community and so then medusa has had this role of kind of like an interpreter because they've known each other since childhood For most of Black Bolt's childhood, he has um, been captive. Not captive, but he's been basically in a cage, like, away from society, trying to, like, master his ability so that he doesn't, like, murder people, you know? So he's there, like, meditating for most of his childhood, his adolescence, all of that. So Medusa, knowing him since he was a child, would go and meet with him when he was there and learn to communicate with him through body language. So their relationship kind of develops in that way, um pre their arranged marriage because it's royal families and they have to protect a bloodline blah 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 blah, you know but they're able to have a relationship outside of that and cultivate that throughout their marriage as well as throughout a lot of tumultuous times especially when you're hero with powers you know shit gets fucked up as well as like being a king and a queen so there's so many times where black bolt is able to have his voice or like able to communicate with her in different worlds and different realms and things like that And it always goes back to him saying, I know that, like, everything that I can, like, I can't be everything for you. And, like, all we have are, like, these snippets and moments and, like, touches. 
But, like, my love and our relationship is in your hands. And no matter what it is, she always goes back and chooses him. Like, there's never a doubt on whether or not that's sufficient for them. So she's always been able to understand him since they were young, as well as being the interpreter and the voice for the Inhumans, since he is the king who makes the decisions, essentially. But she's the voice for him through, like, to the community and all of that. So I think they've been able to have, like, they're so cute. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> love them and like medusa's a babe and like it's always cute when they're drawn and they're like kissing and like medusa's hair because her uh her ability is like basically think greek mythology to an extent her she's able to manipulate the length and like intensity of her hair so she basically like always wraps him up in her hair and stuff like that so she's able to pick things up that's why she fights people sometimes she could pick a lock with it but its main purpose is to like kiss black bull <laughs> let's be real here her real yeah, hair purpose <laughs> is to grow cradle him and like go to bed together like that's <laughs> that's the real deal so <laughs> just to swaddle him yeah swaddle him like, in her red know, hair just like, just like curl him like around her hair it's adorable <laughs> but yeah i totally love medusa and black bull so they're like my number four right well speaking of royalty what the <laughs> fuck is this <laughs> i love how all of yours so far have like led into mine so my number four uh are aquaman and mara <laughs> also redhead women That's also fine. redheaded woman queen royalty just parallel dc marvel gotta love redheads i guess yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well for those of you who don't know who Aquaman and Mera are, they are the king and queen of Atlantis. Mera's actually acting queen right now, and Arthur isn't really considered king because he's off doing other stuff with the Justice League and kind of like off, like away from Atlantis. So Mera's reigning queen right now. You know? Kind of, yeah, in his own way. Um, but historically, they have been like the reigning king and queen of Atlantis, and she has gotten so much better over the years. Like, because, you know, we leave the whole damsel in distress thing behind. And, like, now a more modern comics always focus on the fact that she is as strong, if not stronger, than Aquaman with all her abilities trained since birth, basically, to sadly be able to kill the royal family of Atlantis, you know, um, and kind of like a uh, an adjacent kind of tribe to Atlantis that was exiled before, Zebel. She's, again, trained from birth in order to kill him. And she has hydrokinesis, so she can manipulate water, hard water, Ooh. all that stuff. Yeah. But obviously, she goes to kill him and ends up falling in love with him. And then <laughs> marries him and becomes Queen of Atlantis. <laughs> um, but their relationship has had a lot of issues other than the whole, she's from Zebel, try, was sent to kill you type thing. But also, they um, they had a kid together. Oh, no. And everybody oh, no. <laughs> knows the tragedy of Aquababy at this point, probably. So Black Manta, one of um, Aquaman's biggest villains, ends up kidnapping Aquababy and killing him. And that obviously creates rifts in relationships because she's just angry all the time and blames him. But at the same time, it's more like her internal guilt because Black Manta did it because he was mad at Mara for keeping Jackson, a.k.a. Aqualad, like, uh, who is Black Manta's son, a secret from him for so long. So it's kind of like both their faults, but like obviously you project. You're like, you lost your kid and stuff. But even through all that, they kind of survive that and are in a good place now, even after all that. And I don't know, because it was in Brightest Day, but I don't know if it is in current continuity that they have a kid. Um, I'm pretty sure. That was sure. my question. Like, if at any point in continuity right now, if he's been brought up or if we're going to get a new Aqua Baby. Oh, that'd be so sad. I don't want to relive that for a third time. <laughs> They've already done it twice. But. I want to say since the reboot, aka New 52, he hasn't been around. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he hasn't been. But regardless, their relationship is still, again, really strong in the sense that he, she's always there to help him deal with kind of like his, he always feels like he's lesser because he's half human. Like he doesn't feel like he should be leading Atlantis. And she never feels like she should be in Atlantis because she's a Zebel warrior. And so kind of like that dynamic of like they both have the responsibility to Atlantis, but neither of them really feel like they should have the responsibility of Atlantis. So kind of like the dynamic 
it's really cheesy to say, but they kind of complete each other in that way because they understand that kind of thing. Yeah, like, it's super cheesy. But without the other, I can't see one of them ruling Atlantis by themselves. You know what I mean? And so because of that, I think that they really work well together, both as king and queen and as a couple. And that's why they are my number four. I mean... Black Bolt literally couldn't do it without Medusa, but you didn't see me saying that. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) well, they both complete each other. (laughs) So, yeah, so similarly, King and Queen, they need each other, blah, 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 they're cute. Sadly, Mara can't wrap her hair around (laughs) Arthur. She could use her little water. She can can wrap him in water. I don't know. I don't think that's comforting, but. Okay, so let's give the vibe. Let me, let me present the vibe of my number three, and let's see if it vibes with yours okay. once I'm done. <laughs> but so the reason why I chose my number three had to do more with kind of a relationship dynamic I love. So kind of being in these somewhat polar opposites, but wanting to do the same path in that sense. So for me, it is Kyle and Sorik. So we have Kyle Rayner and Sorik Natu. So they're two Green Lanterns at some point. Um, they're two lanterns. <laughs> okay, they're both multiple lanterns. This is yeah. True. yeah. Okay, I'm like, mm, yeah. I'm going to retcon myself <laughs> in this moment. <laughs> Kyle Rayner is easily one of my top eight DC characters. Um, I don't know. I just selected an arbitrary number like eight, but he's definitely up there. And this has to do more with, like, their relationship, not only, like, the history that they have, but kind of the way that their relationship was in the Green Lantern, how Jordan and the Green Lantern run from 2016, which is unfortunately over. We have gems, and DC does us dirty all the time, so whatever. All day, every day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, like, kind kind Good old Kynel. Good old Kynel. <laughs> um, so for Kyle Rayner, he is he starts off as a Green Lantern, but he on Earth and before all of it, he is an artist and he has passion and he's always cared about people to an extent. So like when you're given the power to protect, he kind of like runs with it because he feels like he has to. And then Sorik comes from a place of needing to do reparation, restoration, as well as coming from a very clinical and medical mind because she's a surgeon and even though they're both lanterns and they are um like wielders of different lantern rings because kyle's gone through the entire spectrum soric depending on whatever goes from yellow and green um but they both despite having their own original trajectories before all of this like lantern stuff and before they lead cores and things like that they have their passions that's never really left them and I feel like that's what makes them so compatible when they're together because they're able to like feed off their their other perspectives and kind of like grow as people when they're together but as everyone they have communication issues (laughs) um you know they have communication issues but I think that they are beautiful compliments to each other and I love seeing them together and again they're both so pretty (laughs) Oh my god, they're so pretty. <laughs> Melissa Thurston over here. <laughs> they're both so pretty. Um, and I wish we had a new planet colonized just by Kyle and Sorik so that they can create a new race. But hey. Wow, that's some intense them. wishful thinking. I know. Well, it's the power of thinking, right? You will it into existence. Hey, DC, if you're listening, copyright us. Don't copyright Cop- us. <laughs> Don't sue us for copyright infringement, please. But yeah, I honestly have always loved the compassion, not only that, that that both these characters have, but in such different ways. And there are different things that motivate them to do the same thing, and then they're able to fall in love through that and rely on each other and empower each other for the exact same purpose, especially when they're both together in the Green Lantern Corps. They're babes, so they're my number three. I was The whole time I was listening, I was trying to like relate it to my number three. <laughs> Just because we were just kind of, but no, kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of. My number three are Midnighter and Apollo. Okay. Yeah. So speaking of two different kind of like moral compasses coming together for the same goal. So in that sense, they are similar. They're both on teams as well. And they're both on teams together. And that's Hmm. how they meet. There you go. Hmm. <laughs> what have we done here? Um, we'll just see if the- <laughs> helpful reminder, we do our list separate and then just like hope for the best when we yeah, come to court. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's why sometimes, like, I think 
at least once we've had the same person on each of our lists. I think Mystique was the one yes. for them. Usually we do them separate to keep kind of like an element of surprise in it, you know, and it's worked out so far. Our tastes are pretty different, so we don't, we do not clash that often. But anyway, so my number three is Midnighter and Apollo. They are characters that originally appeared in Stormwatch, which was a property of something, whatever, but they got absorbed into DC and they're most well known for their run on the authority. And so... They are often, as, and I've talked about them before, because I've talked about Midnighter a lot, but they are kind of um, a parallel of Batman and Superman, and they kind of serve the same purpose, and like, because Apollo is kidnapped by aliens to try to turn him into like a Superman, so he takes his powers from the sun, and then on the other side, um, Midnighter was also kidnapped, brainwashed. Um, and then basically made into a fighting machine and killing people and stuff. So one of the greatest like problems in their relationship is that although they both are okay with killing, um, Apollo's only okay with it like if it's absolutely necessary, while in Midnighter enjoys killing to a certain extent. So their thing was always like how they killed wasn't really aligning for them even though obviously they were on the same team trying to accomplish the same things their fight was always that like I don't know if your morals are really aligned with mine but I still love you so it's kind of like that dilemma a lot of the time but regardless of all that they make an amazing 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 couple because they balance each other out in such a great way I think and that helps both the team and them accomplish the goals that they want at the end of the day. And they're also a really cute couple. <laughs> like, at the, <laughs> they're super cute. The, in the original 30 run, they um, adopt a daughter who's also a mutant. Well, like, what was meta? it? Meta? Meta, meta, yeah. I was like, no, that's that's Marvel. That's the wrong word. <laughs> I, let, I let it go. Yeah. I was like, yeah, she's Jen- a mutant. <laughs> <laughs> she's a meta. Her name is Jenny. Jenny Quantum. She used to have no parents, so she has two. <laughs> well, anyway, so again, and and then just getting married and having a family kind of like it shows a softer side to them and softer side to like heroing and a side to hearing that you don't see a lot because apparently heroes aren't allowed to be happy and have families. Who Never. knows why? Oh, no. No, no that so, doesn't sell. Right? Family doesn't sell. A.K.A. quoted Didio. Fuck Didio. Um, and so even in their brief kind of stint with, like, raising Jenny and all that stuff, um, these two incredibly powerful men that kill people and, like, can take down organizations by themselves, basically – have get married because they love each other and have a family like which is just like (laughs) like it's something not totally new obviously but something that a lot of comics just don't show in general and so for that reason I love Midnight and Apollo I love their reboot in 2017 even though um it kind of rewrote the relationship a little bit and that Stormwatch run was not that great and we don't have Jenny yet in current continuity, but who knows? Maybe they'll keep writing them again and we'll get her again. Who knows? But for the most part, overall, I think as a couple, I think they work really well together. Like, obviously, all the other couples on my list do, I, I, I suppose. But yeah, um, Midnight and Apollo, 1010 recommend. I love them. But I think we're still on similar vibes in mm-hmm. terms of where we at so far in our number three so let's see let's see <laughs> because my number two unsurprisingly comes from saga and we're talking about marco and alana and super extremely briefly saga is just um it is essentially a space opera where a version of like our planet earth like it's different worlds and things like that but it's essentially what is meant to be earth and like other and like two other um planets with like their own life forms and their own ways of being are constantly at war with each other and so that's where you have um who marco and alana come from they come from 
warring world so it takes the whole like not supposed to be together to like the next level because they're an active war where they're supposed to um capture each other on site essentially so marco marco and alana meet while marco because he is a pacifist in the middle of a war because that's that's what you do right you become a pacifist in the middle of a war while you are a prisoner of war right so um, that's how they meet because Alana is the guard, right? And let me tell you, the, the reason why they're in love and get together is so dumb. <laughs> it is so dumb. And I'm about to tell you why. But the reason they're so high up on my number two is because they, um, right, Alana ends up pregnant. She ends up, like, with a child between the two of them that basically the age-old proves that our worlds can be together right (laughs) that nonsense aka Uh, arthur (laughs) yeah Yeah. so um and they're essentially doing everything that they can to try to keep their new um intergalactic um like stowaway family because they're all fugitives together and that's what they're willing to do they're willing to fight and protect and do what literally anything that is necessary to keep their family together because they now have a child and like being able to include all the um the important things of um caring for what you bring into the world putting aside differences because they get together very like um passionately and haphazardly and without thinking about any circumstances like any consequences Um, But they're still able to work out those kinks because they need to and like to re-fall in love essentially is what they do throughout the series because they immediately start off with passion and attraction and then she ends up having a child and then they're runaways and then all these problems arise obviously because you didn't know this man you slept with because he was a prisoner and you were the guard and you fell in love with him because you both knew you read a book to him and you both fell in love while reading the book that you read before, Alana. Like, it's so ridiculous. And, like, they're literally, they are literally intertwined because of a belief from a book that says that, like, love is everything and that, like, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't, um, essentially, it's an analog to why they shouldn't be in the war, right? That, like, love and passion is eternal and they're able to turn that into a family. And even when it doesn't work, because they're running from hitmen, from their own families, from literally two governments after them, after their child. And things fall apart. Like, things have fallen apart. Um, they were separated. They came back together. They had an interesting dynamic where Alana's the one who had to work because Marco has horns. So that would have immediately identified him as the fugitive and he's a stay-at-home dad and they have these difficulties because Marco like almost cheats but they're able to kind of take those real world stressors and rebuild their relationship through these tumultuous times and I think that's such an important thing in actual love especially when you um, end up including a family it becomes so much more than just the passion and the love like the responsibilities kind of make or break their relationship and they're still able to have one so I love them yeah, that's that's dope. I wish my number two was as good as that. Let me tell you. <laughs> I wish my number two had a nice, healthy relationship and a family. Uh, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> so, to break apart from our our kind of parallel list, my number two is Batcat. Yep. 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 As soon as you said, I wish they had a family. <laughs> Which well, I'm I mean, honestly shook now. I have no idea what the heck her number one is. I, um. <laughs> so, Batcat, I don't particularly think most iterations of them should be anything for anyone to strive towards in an actual relationship. However, I have loved this couple since I was seven years old. So, it's hard to shake. She is 47. So I- that is- <laughs> This is correct. Um, so it's just kind of hard to shake that this the nostalgia I have overall for this couple. And I think that they can be really, really great. I feel like they, to a certain extent, understand each other and have taken the time to understand each other. However, the way that things always play out in comics for the most part 
just kind of doesn't really allow for I think enough exploration into them but I mean which is fair because like I don't want to read something just for relationship either usually anyway so like if it's a Batman story I'm obviously reading it for Batman if it's Catwoman story I'm reading for Catwoman I don't think it needs needs to necessarily be about a relationship and that's like the love hate kind of relationship I have overall with their relationship (laughs) in comics because I want it I want them to be explored, but at the same time, I understand that their exploration at the expense of the story isn't a good idea. And I think that that's, like, a lot of the issues with Tom King's run, especially. Um, Because if you're going to build up a relationship, I feel like you should do it. Because he made the story their relationship. And so when that fell apart, the story didn't make sense anymore. And I don't think that a relationship should sustain a story. And although I love them, I feel like especially not a Batman story. Yeah, exactly. When you have so many aspects to um to kind of what makes that kind of like gritty comic book, and like for lack of a better like a shonen comic book, oh, yeah, like, for lack of a better <laughs> yeah, word. like in the it's kind of like the romance is the bonus rather than the aim. You know, and for a lot of it, I feel like their romance is kind of like thrown in there and stuff. So I feel like if they kind of took the black canary green arrow approach or something like that, something that builds in stages that that would make sense for a relationship. But since their relationship is so longstanding, kind of like Lois and Clark, like if you see them in a comic together, you automatically assume they're together or will be together or have history. Right. And those assumptions kind of hurt pairing sometimes because it's not built into the story, into the narrative. And so if you just throw it in randomly, sometimes you're like, what What the heck is this? Like, this doesn't really follow what you've been doing. And so although I think they're really good together and they can be really good together dynamic-wise, I don't think anyone gives it enough time to develop. Like, I think uh, in a shorter story setting, like um, Hush, I think Hush, that, that's a pretty good dynamic in the sense that you see how much Bruce trusts her in showing like his identity and things like that and how much even and even when he's not around um, that the Bat family still kind of relies on her like she's still an ally always and I feel like that's kind of a bond they'll always have that they've known each other for so long and regardless if they're together or not they trust each other to a certain extent Um, maybe not with their lives but at least with their identities and to keep that safe no matter how how angry they are at each other or anything like that. Like, neither of them would sell the other out. And I think that as far as relationships go, especially for Batman, that's really something solid and important to have with him because he literally doesn't trust anybody. Like, nobody. So <laughs> Doesn't trust a reflection in the mirror. Yeah. Especially, yeah, it doesn't, nothing. So for him to have that weird kind of trust in her, even though she's just, like, a thief for the most part, uh, is just I think really important to them their dynamic and their relationship, and I'll I'll always be rooting for them. Uh, I don't know if that's the the good option, the best option <laughs> that anyone should ever have, but I think you know they could be really good. I don't know, I mean, a good grow old together couple, but who knows? But Bruce will never stop being Batman. So I'm still shook. I have no idea what your number one is. Yeah, this is what I've been thinking about the entire time because. <laughs> Listeners, I have heard this Batcat spiel. Like, I could present Batcat on her back. Okay, 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 okay. But because, because I don't think that this is something, like, normal, kind of, like, that exemplifies love, I didn't make them my number one. Okay. That's Um, totally fair. I mean, I think it's love in their own way, but, like, not love, love, or, like, a healthy love, or a good love, or anything like that. I really hope I don't get, like... Like salty at your number one. Oh my, I really don't think you will. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So go. No, are, are you, you done? I I'm done. I'm done. Oh, okay. That's my number two. Um. So honorable mentions. Or... I have zero. Oh. Okay. <laughs> then I'll go through mine really quick. Okay. So my two honorable mentions are Mon Pa Kent. Oh, that's Kent. a good one. That's right. Good one. Right. I, appre- I, think... I second this motion. Yeah. <laughs> Like, okay, yeah. this, is, this is my uh, my honorable mention that I'm giving to my co-host so that we have one each. So Mom, Paquette, and then Mystique and Destiny. Yes. The gays that could have been. That should have stayed. That should have stayed, yeah. The gays that should have been, but it wasn't allowed at that time. So then we, we just found out. We were lesbians Yeah, we time. did. Her friend. <laughs> 
They were too, gal pal. The gal pal. They were too gal ahead pal. of their time. They were too yeah, ahead of their just time. Just want a bestie that'll go down on you. <laughs> all they want. And raise a kid with you, right? So I've also talked about Mystique and Destiny briefly. So I'll just give another brief kind of. So when um, Mystique first started the the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, whatever, she teamed up with this other mutant named Destiny who was blind, but she had, like, precognitive powers so she can tell the future. And eventually they ended up becoming lovers, which we didn't find out until way later in comic book history. And they ended up raising Rogue together, at least for a short stint before she went off to the X-Men. So they basically were life partners and they were together until Destiny was sadly killed by another mutant. But, like, old age, she was, like... Because happiness doesn't sell comics. Because happiness doesn't sell. So then, yeah, but she was well interiors. Like, they spend most of Destiny's life together. Um, And, again, ahead of their times, good good old lesbians that we didn't really get to to appreciate for that long. But a great couple. And then Mom, Pa, Kent, all y'all. I'm about to be the (laughs) lamest person that's ever existed. But I honestly fervently believe that mom and pa can't have like the american dream (laughs) like honest to god as american as superman and apple pie himself (laughs) like i honestly get like that's such a nurturing and beautiful relationship that i think just as um as far as dc goes and as far as iterations go it's a sacred relationship that no one's no one's like ever really tried to taint or kind of like yeah. shit on or anything like that. And it's that type of like compassion of being able to take a child in into such a nurturing and loving home and create what we have because like I can't imagine um Clark being raised by another family and still being Superman. Correct. Because he is who he is. Or at is. least the Superman we know. Yeah. Being like that beacon that we do have, like as a symbol of Superman. Because at the end of the day, um, the beliefs that Superman, that Clark has, that he has put into Superman are because of the way he was raised. The way that his parents, who biological or not, are still his family raised him to be as a child and were always not not only cautious but accepting and nurturing of every single skill that Clark developed throughout his life and they were literally able to create a home for one of like like one of the shining hopes of America Superman (laughs) yep wow yeah you really took my honorable mention and made it your own (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad that helped you (laughs) like like you said like no one no one can mess with Von Pocket nope. and their relationship. Like, and no matter how many times um, we've heard Superman's origin story or it's been rewritten or retconned or changed in any way, Mom Pocket or Mom Pocket, like you can't have Superman without them. Yeah, even if you, even if they kill off Pa sometimes, which they do, because like, yeah, old yeah, age, he dies of a always, heart attack, old age, something. It's always the love that Ma kept for him, kind of like with um, Aunt May and like Aunt Ben. Yes, Aunt May and Uncle Ben. If they want to create an Aunt Ben, I think America <laughs> might just be ready for it for a dead lesbian. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. I think that it's always able to maintain that uh, nurturing and like very healthy representation of what a long lasting relationship can be, as well as a relationship that can be sustained even without a child because they're well into their life when they have like when they come across like Clark at times. Yeah. And so it's still able to maintain and like have a family. And like it's such a loving dynamic of like found families which listeners like is my jive so hi <laughs> yeah and even other than clark they also raised con yes for a while so like just this couple that has so much love for each other and so much love to give and and that's what so it good. is like they're literally so good. to steal directly from parks and rec which i think is like the best the best example that i've ever heard of like what like why you should be parents because you think you're such a good team and you want to bring in like new players So that is, I think, what Ma and Pa, like, show. That they're, like, such... They're so good together, like you're saying. They have so much love to give that they're able to even give extra to kids (laughs) and still love each other and not lose each other. Yeah, Because they don't fall apart when Clark leaves. And uh, just, they're a blessing. Solid. Solid. Honorable (laughs) mentions, my dude. Because I didn't think of any... Yeah, but there, I gave you one and you more than... 
explained it and, and gave it your <laughs> two cents there. You became a savvy piece yeah. of trash <laughs> for America. <laughs> all right, all right. My so. number one. My number one. Let's okay. hear it. It is to no surprise to anyone that my number one is, I'm not even going to like joke at all. It is honest to God, Scott Free and Big Barda. Yep. They, yep. Like, there is no way that Mr. Miracle and Big Barda do not have a current like relationship, love, and passion for each other that crosses dimensions, multitudes. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know, again, Mr. Miracle is scot-free, and then Big Barda is um, a new god who was raised on Apocalypse. They both were raised on Apocalypse. Um, Scott, as a child, was used as kind of like a bait and switch between his dad and like High Father and Dark Side, you know, Heaven and Hell, Apocalypse, New Genesis, God and the Devil, yada, 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 you know? <laughs> um, so they were raised in the pits of hell, tortured their entire lives. And Scott never gave up, never wanted to for his life to just be torture and dungeons and, you know being burned to the point of not being recognized, thrown into a pit for your flesh to be reconstructed. Like, he always wanted more than that, which is why his name is Scott Free, because Granny Goodness named him that because he was always trying to escape, and it was supposed to be kind of um, a giant F.U. that he would never get out. And then Big Bardo, who was raised in the exact same Tartarus pits by the exact same torturous villain, ends up becoming a female fury, which is um, Darkseid's leading badass ladies, you know, to go out <laughs> and conquer the universe. Like, that's kind of, those are like his horsemen of the apocalypse, essentially. And Barda ends up seeing that good that has never been able to be taken away from Scott, regardless of the centuries of whoever actually knows how long, because they're new gods and they live for too long. But, you know, the constant torture, he's never lost that hope. And so, like, Barda starts seeing that in him. And that's where, holy fuck, that's uh, Marco and Alana. Cool. That's fine. (laughs) That's fine. Um, Moving forward. So, essentially, she helps plan his escape and able to kind of abandon Apocalypse and kind of, like, create their their own love and marriage and when they get married in like the new gods run it's like one of the most gorgeous like ceremonies it's not just a simple i do i just think it's like so pleasantly endearing that is like i am eternal with big barda i am eternal with scott free because not only do they live for far too long but like (laughs) their love passion and dedication with each other is is never ending and that's one of the things that tom king is able to capture in the mr miracle run the 2017 run wow 2017 we're in 2019 people and the trade's coming out now whoa (laughs) yeah it was 12 issues um and so they're able to have a child they're able to um conquer shit basically (laughs) i won't tell you what shit but because you should go out and get the trade and read all 12 issues unless it'll give you a very like big existential crisis because it is very like it's a lot it's like that run It, it really is a lot but their love and compassion is able to transcend a lot of the like cognitive distortions, depression, um, oppression through um, Scott, through Darkseid and all of that. But I think that they're a really good balance for each other. And also like in knowing that this is a love and a relationship that was based off a marriage from um, Kirby. Oh, sorry. Jack Kirby. Oh, oh, OG. (laughs) OG. Got it. So, like, Barta Barta and Scott's um, relationship was modeled after Kirby's relationship with his own wife as a strong, powerful woman that was always uplifting, who was always a support, and who was someone who he was always able to rely on. And then in, which is essentially Barta, she, like, she does not give a fuck. Like, it is her family first. And then for Scott, he also has responsibilities now that he tries to kind of, like, balance out. And that's also an interesting dynamic that they continue to have into the Mr. Miracle run. Um, and they are an eternal love that I appreciate. So they're my number one. <laughs> my claps are just, like, little pops. <laughs> Cries. Yeah, they're an eternal love. Like, oh, just, it's such a beautiful ceremony. And... Barda's so pretty, people. <laughs> she is. So, yeah. What's your number one? So, my number one, also kind of, I guess, intergalactic in its own way, <laughs> um, is Billy and oh, Teddy. Yeah. I was like, you're not going to be upset about this. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> 
So, um, Wiccan and Hulkling, also known as William Kaplan and Theodore Altman. Um, the Wiccan is the son of Scarlet Witch and Vision, kind of, sort of. It's complicated, but he's their son. And Teddy, being the son of Captain Marvell, the Cree captain. He's a babe. A total babe. <laughs> <laughs> and the princess of the Skrull Empire. So Teddy is basically the prince, uh, the heir to two thrones in space. And Wiccan... Which I doubt either throne would accept. Well, they have kidnapped him a few times in order to be the next heir, basically. So... I don't know if accept would be the word, but they definitely want him just for like a throne fight kind of because he has claim to the throne. So like they just used him or they wanted to use him in order to get the throne and get power. And then Wiccan is basically reality warper can at some point destroyed a dimension ruled it in some alternate reality has the power to change alternate realities pretty easily by just saying I want or I wish and then... Hey, yeah. So, but more of the story here. Those jeans. Those I know. Jeans, man. <laughs> so broken. I am so, so broken. I'm so glad he wants to be with a man and he ain't gonna procreate that way. Those <laughs> jeans. Okay. Cannot. It, do not. He do not. He's, he will not multiply a child. It's just, it's not okay. Even. It's true. It's they true. will adopt a baby. <laughs> it's true. It's true. They do. They do in um like a future flashback. I think it was shown by Doctor Strange. Not sure. Because he eventually. Billy eventually become Sorcerer Supreme at a different... <laughs> she just waved a wand at me, guys. She just waved a wand at me. <laughs> Put my plastic wand down. <laughs> so he becomes Sorcerer Supreme eventually. Uh, and we do get a glimpse of them actually having a family and they having a, a, like a kid. I'm, I want to say he's adopted, but he's green like Teddy. So I don't know. Maybe they adopted a, a scroll child somehow. No idea. They don't say how. But we just see them as a family together. And but basically they start as a teen couple. They start with the team, the Young Avengers, and they become a couple there. And kind of like their relationship is just so much of an anchor in especially later um, later arcs for the Young Avengers, not only in the, the later Young Avengers run, and but an anchor also that keeps the universe like, you know, knitting yeah, together I'm, at some a, point. Yeah, <laughs> they're like there's a panel of um of like basically the universe is collapsing, right? And and the Billy can fix it, but the villain has like completely destroyed his morale and he's just there sitting in a corner, or whatever, and Teddy kind of talks him out of it. Um, and then America is, and then Loki's like, oh man, is love really going to save the universe? And America's like, America Chavez is like, of course it is. So their love literally saved the multiverse because it got Billy to get his shit together and basically repair the damage that the villain and himself had done. And also Loki, cause Loki obviously is Loki. And although he tries to help them in the end, he was the cause of a lot of the things that happened. So as trickster gods, as trickster gods. So, so basically even though um they've been brainwashed a couple times into thinking they weren't together or thinking that their love for each other was fake and also just billy kind of going through the fact that uh you see him a lot in the beginning going through the going through school and being bullied for well just being a nerd because he he's like a nerd for loving the avengers but also for being a gay kid you see kind of that struggle um in the young avengers run 2005 is when this all kind of started for them and to see them become a team and like interact with everyone and going through all of these like you go they go through well they go through becoming young avengers together out of nowhere because the world kind of needs them to because the avengers are scattered right now and also going through the loss of teddy's mom well who wasn't his biological mother but the woman that raised him yeah. yeah The, the woman that he knew to be his mother all his life and that protected him and cared for him. Like you go through the loss of her and Billy helps him through that. The team helps him through that. And also finding out that Teddy is actually an alien. He always thought he was just a shape-shifting mutant, but he was really, again, an alien and him coming to terms with that as well. So they they help, um, 
They help. <laughs> and then through Billy um, kind of trying to find Scarlet Witch's mom or and like going through all of that for her and obviously endangering the universe and then finding out that he's the Demiurge, which is like this tyrannical sorcerer that rules a dimension and kind of basically is just a tyrant um, and a dictator to them. So them all coming to terms with facts about themselves that may or may not have like broken them or discouraged them in any way they go through all of that together and to see such a positive young love in comics that isn't all about drama or anything like that it's literally mostly all supportive like yeah. obviously you you will find drama in comics but for the most part it isn't drama for drama's sake these are just kind of like for the most part real issues that they deal with and go through together and I think at the end of the day they're so strong and supportive of each other and just kind of really encompass what love should be and how love should grow between two people and although they're very young I think it's depicted really really great and it's just a really good positive message for a lot of young readers in general both LGBT and not yeah I think as like a young Avengers reader and like a Billy and Teddy like fan obviously (laughs) I think like you've made an excellent point not only like encompassing the tumultuous part of the relationship but emphasizing that they help heal each other and I think that's at the end of the day like what a relationship should be exactly and like as far as positive relationship goes I honestly other than Mod Pa I couldn't really think (laughs) I, I couldn't really think of like an ongoing uh in like kind of focused relationship that has been as positive and great and supportive as theirs has and so that's why they're my number one hey the only ones that deviated was our number four because at the end of the day we could also go back and say that our number ones helped heal each other yeah that's true well I mean our number two no, no, no. Oh, except for our number two. Like, yeah, that's yeah. the only one that didn't yeah. go with each other. Yeah. Other yeah. than that. Other than mm-hmm. that, we drew kind of great parallels, you know. Del, like, passion, perhaps it's not, like, the way to go, but, like, very passionate <laughs> people. Uh, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, people. A, that's a certain kind of love. That it is. To... It is. It definitely is. Like, love comes in all shapes, like, all forms or whatever, but Maybe I that's feel just like... not the person you marry, guys. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's, like, a good time, but, hmm, I don't know about that in a lasting kind of sense, because passion only takes you so far for so long, you know? And gambit and rogue took this long to get together yeah and let's let's see if this marriage sticks yeah because it's fairly recent both our number ones kind of like your eternal love and all that and then like just billy and telly telly (laughs) teddy (laughs) teddy through everything just kind of like that love that supports and heals and helps you progress with as a person and um what you really want to become and really want to be so this is our jive for the month <laughs> Talking, love. or lack thereof you know it's fine whatever well loving comics we're not talking about anything real life related <laughs> let me tell you i think we had excellent picks i enjoyed listening to your list and yeah let us know what you thought did you think my list was trash because like like send me your address i'll fight you like i, I, I will drive there we'll fight you for this um <laughs> send us your favorite comic couples and why they're your favorite comic couples they literally don't have to be that logical you don't have to back out with history just why you think they're a good comic Who couple smoking together Let cool me know. yeah <laughs> Like, this happens to yeah, be all comics, right? At the end cute. of the day, these are our personal <laughs> lists. So if your choices deviate from ours, which they most likely will, let us know by tweeting us at capedcritiques, C-A-P-E-D, critiques, and uh, emailing us at capesandcritiques at gmail.com. Yeah, we're excited. Woo! Woo. Tell, us, tell us maybe who shouldn't have been together, too. Like, what's up there? Yeah, I mean, you know what? If you say Bad Cat, I wouldn't really fight you about it because <laughs> there's plenty of reasons why they shouldn't. Um, I don't fight you for Rogan Gambit either. Like, yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> like bro. <laughs> I think the only couples I'd fight, a couple I'd fight you with uh, is Billy and Teddy. My number one. Yeah, my number sacred. one, too. Don't, like, like, sacred. don't come for Mom and Pa. Yeah. <laughs> I'll come for you on a tractor. Let's go. I, I'll buy a tractor and come for you. A John Deere tractor. <laughs> Save a horse to ride a tractor. <laughs> and with that. <laughs> See you next issue. <laughs>